Hello everyone, welcome back to Left Page. I am Frank, your always online historian, writer, researcher extraordinaire. And I'm back, well, kinda. I've never really been gone. I'm, I'm slightly away with a few things. But uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> there are reasons for that. I've been quite busy lately, mostly both setting up for the semester, uh, which is starting on April. <laughs> oh god, chaos. Chaos. But also, well, working on a few special things and projects, both personally for, well, I say personally, for my research and others for the podcasts as well. So there's some cool stuff coming and some of the, well, some of the semester's upcoming episodes are going to be really intriguing and interesting and some of them are going to be very weird. I say some. But anyway, uh, I'm back with something that I wasn't really expecting to talk about, but it is was like, oh, it was what was staring me in the face because what I was going to do is I was going to talk about one of Kafka's like short tales or short stories. It's um, from a particular collection about the country doctor, I, I believe is what it's called in English. And I was going to talk about it, but I felt a bit insecure and had some self-doubt. So I was like, I got a bit, of, well, frankly, I got a bit stumped. So I was like, well, what are I going to talk about? Whatever. And I was like, wait, I I read this for a, a course, for a free series of lectures and a, a slash reading group I'm participating in. And... Uh, <laughs> It's, you You see it from the title, is Ursula K. Le Guin's Word for World is Forest. And I read it for a Hainish Cycle series of, of things, uh, which was quite convenient for me, by the way. And uh, it's wonderful. It's so good. There's a lot to talk about and there's a lot to consider. So why don't we get right into it? So what is this novel? What's it all about? Well, Word for World is is, is forest. It's a wonderful title, I think. The, the alliteration slash assonance works quite uh, amusingly and in, very hard to translate. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, in Portuguese, I believe it is uh, something to the likes of forest is the name of the world, and which works. But yeah, you just can't get word for world. It's uh, quite different, audibly speaking. <laughs> but anyway... So when is this novel from? What's it uh, about, really? And I'll be somewhat synthetic because I will uh, elaborate on it a bit further on. So this one is was originally published in 1972. So it is in between that we have the Hainish cycle already as a thing, really. And it is after The Left Hand of Darkness, but before The Dispossessed. Left Hand of Darkness, 69. Dispossessed, 74. So we're exactly in between. It's fairly short. I, I think it's a... I call it a short novel, although it might be a novella. I, I don't know. Th these weird definitions are just frankly weird. But anyway, regardless, it is essentially about sort of the colonizing efforts, or shall we say exploiting efforts, by an Earth or Terran, what, whichever flavor of, uh, of future Earth you prefer, sort of extracting wood, really, from distant planet. And what happens mostly is <laughs> they are incredibly... Well, they effectively enslave a great deal of the local population, mistreat them and whatever, uh, to breaking point. And then there is a pretty massive, intense and traumatic reaction by them, the Ashtians. 
uh, if I'm not mistaken, because the planet is called Ashtha. Finish the Ashtheans. I think so. I think that sounds about right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a complicated word. I read it in English, by the way, although there is a, apparently a very good Portuguese translation too on, on that title I mentioned. Forest is the name of the world. And it's it's interesting for a variety, variety of reasons. Uh, well, it is. <laughs> it's mostly talking about the war in Vietnam. Uh, quite... Uh, it's very evident about it in its, shall we say, analogy, not very hidden subtext. But yeah, that uh, that is 100% there. But it's interesting for it is an awful that presents three, three different viewpoints. One from, shall we say, the, not the leader, but one of the military leaders in, in control and the one who is, shall we say, the most... Uh, destructive, vindictive, domineering, and um, he's horrible. We have the perspective of a uh, one of the indigenous native populations, the Ashtians. Uh, Salva is his name. And finally, we have Lyubov, who is uh, <laughs> the anthropologist uh, in charge. I say in charge, but he's the one who's there apparently to investigate the population and do reports and whatever but you know since the military is in charge he is mostly set aside they don't really listen to him that much or believe or care and he's the one who puts himself mostly in between and closer to the native population but what happens uh, uh, there are a lot of different threads on this book and I've, I've talked about Ursula quite a bit before <laughs> with uh, both Mel and Pearson and Pearson again. And some of the themes which will come in The Dispossessed and were already there in The Left Hand of Darkness and recently, as I read all of the, the, the earlier novels, the Rockanon's World, Planet of Exiles and City of Illusions, a lot of recurrent themes... So I think one of the key ones and interesting to talk about before I go into certain other details in terms of perception and reality is that of, well, communication. And what does that mean? What does it mean to communicate, to exchange words, to exchange knowledge, experience, uh, lived experience, to exchange lives in a sense? Not in a, shall we say, direct, literal way, but what the both what communication means and how can that be a deeply transformative experience and at times how that communication can take quite a variety of forms if only on say observation or being privy to or witness to horrible acts uh, in the sense of violence really because well what what, what happens effectively in the story is that the Ashtians as uh, an entirely uh, forest-dwelling uh, people, in, in as various peoples in, in a variety of continents, they don't know violence against one another, or at least not in any meaningful way. Uh, they're deeply peaceful uh, and live in an in, uh, incredibly in-depth connection with the forest. Thus, the forest is, thus the word for world is forest. As such a deeper connection it is. However, what, what happens given the, <laughs> the sort of extractive efforts by the, the Terran colony, domination, military efforts, 
is that they, via, you know, not only enslaving, although that's bad enough, but also, you know, in uh, pillaging and raping, because, of course, they they break them. They force them to a point of no return, really, where they take up violence, resist, and ultimately force them away. Uh, away from from their efforts and uh, sort of expel them from the planet in a sense uh, or contain them until such an expulsion can happen and what is fascinating about that is how this communication can be well it it, it showed them in a way it, it allowed them to discover this for this violence this this knowledge of how to kill and deeply changing that society what is perhaps most distinctive and this again goes back to Ursula and her value of non-violence and pacifism but in this one in a quite a particular specific way that violence is is an issue and the native population aren't well they, they don't have another any other choice and, and this is the best case scenario, but what changes, what effects it, it, it brings. What, what we see is there's very little or any idealism in here. There is action and consequence for individuals and for peoples. So uh, I, I think that is a, a, an interesting point to start. Uh, after this, this point of communication and what can happen with that, both a knowledge and an understanding of different people, different forms of communication, different forms of exchange. And finally, what does it mean to to learn or to impart knowledge? And what what can happen with that? I before before I go to the point of violence, I, I kinda of wanna go directly with, with continue this point on communication before I before I move on. When we have the Scenes of the anthropologist Lyubov remembering his the communication he established with Selvo and what he learned and what what he taught him and what he learned. There is still at, up until the very end a sense of well paternalism of the of a sense of white savior uh, in in this point of <sighs> of at the end of the day saving them and being responsible for saving them or helping save them when all the Ashtians saved themselves pretty much and what what takes place is this well what happens or what happened in terms of this communication what uh, in, in terms of the contact in terms of the action to engage in communication to engage into contact is to embrace or affect a great sense of change. And it's it's something to anthropological uh, research and direct research and efforts, something to be very aware of. And it's like, well, from the very presence of the researcher in the field, things are already changing or things have already changed. And what does that sense of an not really imbalanced, but of, of, of a communication that is that has a different sense of like power 
because after all the, the anthropologist he lives in the colony he lives comfortably he lives well and Selva was effectively a slave so so there is quite a bit of well disparaging elements in terms of power there and that relationship that where Lyubov goes for the very end very much questioning or like you know that he deserves a sense of gratitude or whatever but that it's it's more complicated than that and well it's uh, it's not quite as simple as that it never is and that's uh, one of the issues that he's like this this savior not an issue of the novel but the and one of the ways he sees himself and tries to, to justify his actions and whatever but yeah what what does it mean to to communicate what does it mean to exchange and what what common ground where where does such exchange where does such elements happen and in a different sense one of the an important plot element is that or the colony is quite some years away from both earth and, and any other colonized space and there is a delay of communication because there wasn't the Ansible yet. Uh, the, the, the space cell phone, as I've, I've been dubbing to call it a couple of times. But this is an instant communication device which allows for different communication across light years without, with no delay. And what happens is that these military personnel who are in charge are given an Ansible by um, Hainish and Sishans who who are in like a passing ship and, and giving them an ansible to to communicate back with the earth government and the earth government effectively tells them to create a sort of distance uh, between them and the native population and like no this is uh no stop stop this uh these domineering and controlling efforts although by the end uh, the damage has been done at this point and that that previous character captain davidson who is like this uh, very horrible monstrous military man who is like no but i am self-sufficient i am the best i i can do this i'm yeah all that i'm superior and he he effectively disbelieves that he finds that conspiracy he finds that lies and how do you and of course it's a fairly predictable plot point but it's interesting to see how how communication happens and fails to happen and and later on how although the the colony effectively save for save for a davidson himself uh, is trying to establish a sense of peace there is a pretty brutal and intense retaliation by the ashtians and effectively kind of doom the colony uh, and eventually force them to to leave yeah after some years once a ship returns so uh, also i just want to apologize if i'm a bit all over the place i don't know i'm feeling a bit weird i'm, I'm doing good maybe just a bit tired but i wanted to do this episode today because I, I get as i said i've been doing a lot of different things so to do this now and to do this somewhat early is absolutely for the best so yeah sorry sorry for a bit of chaos well not confusion maybe not necessarily chaos that's a bit of a dramatic but anyway that all that being said i 
I think now it's important to talk about the question about violence and what type, what, well, what violence we mean and what type of violence we're talking about. So, across other works, Ursula K. Le Guin's view and understanding of violence is at times like a, a sort of necessity, something that happens, something to politically be avoided or questioned and opposed. Uh, and I think this one is definitely still the case. And especially that violence has consequences to to both the, the, those who suffer violence and those who inflict it in a very direct sense. Of course, uh, in terms of structures and institutions, institutions that are built upon violence and exploitation and control, they don't really suffer the, these effects. But on an individual, a personal level, that it, there is a... Uh, I'm not going to say... It, it's not just um, an effect. It is a, a change. It is a sort of impact that violence causes. And e even in this regard, the, as I mentioned, there's no real romanticism here. It's like this is a native population who never knew violence, uh, scrounging and scrambling to learn how to do this and survive and win but they pay a deeply high price. A price which we don't know entirely, but it is one of change, and things changed, and new challenges are, are open to them to face, to question, to do. The future is still to be settled. There is no utopian solution or resolution to any of this. There's, there is only change and difference forced by extreme measures but change nevertheless and it's it's interesting because there's a, a profound guilt from Selva to, to bring such death uh, to bring this notion of committing murder, committing violence against other people uh, although they are biologically and physically quite different, they still sort of understand each other as people and if if that relationship varies a bit throughout the course of the novel, but how that has an impact on both Selva and the Ashtians, it is quite difficult. And Selva is deeply regretful and guilty about the whole thing, even if it was necessary. It weighs on him. If if it was a necessary price, it was still a very an or rather an extremely high one. It was not an easy thing to do, and one which carried a lot with it. S something at, at the end of the day for Ursula Le Guin, and I think that is really important. There's no real romanticism to violence, uh, or to conflict, or to war. Uh, there is only loss. And sometimes, and especially in this case, and even others in her previous novels, such violence, such course of actions are necessary, they, they are urgent, otherwise they, they may be faced with annihilation or defeat or destruction, but the, that, that does not come without a cost to, to all those involved. To, to quote the sort of the final line in the book said by Selva in a sort of epilogue kind of thing is, um, it is simply put that uh, as uh, Selva is remembering everything, Maybe after I die, people will be as they were before I was born and before you came, as he's talking to one of the aliens who's come to like sort of remove the, the Earth colony or its remains 
after this sort of period of time. And he tells them, maybe after I die, people will be as they were before I was born and before you came. But I do not think they will. Ultimately, well, things have changed. And maybe things could go back to before how they were. But it is unlikely. I do not think they will. At the end of the day, change has happened and change continues to take course. Although, of course, this is a very controlled environment. This is uh, a colonial effort and the damage that it has done and how it has in enforcing them to react, really, for, for their own survival, changed them irrevocably. And, and the novel ends in this both optimist and pessimist way. It is ambiguous, as it is with most of Russell's work, in its potential for good and bad. But there is still, and there will remain, a potential for, for change. If things can change for the worse in the time of necessity, maybe they can change for the better. But such actions, such damage has been done. Therefore, there are new challenges, new horizons, new objects, new difficulties, new obstacles to overcome, and more to create for a new, better world living in society. Even if we are thinking in terms of the Ashtians. Change, change has happened, and there, there are consequences to that for all those involved. For those of the Terran colony, for the human survivors for any other populations that will avoid the planet, really, and break off contact with them, and for the Astians themselves, who, well, must must find new, different ways to live with the knowledge of how to kill one another, and having had that experience. Things have deeply changed, and yet they can change again for the best, and yet it is hopeful and bleak at the same time. <laughs> Oh, what fun, what fun we have. So, yeah, I think the the fact that violence in this novel is not... It's not easy for all parties involved. It's it's fascinating. It's a wonderful... It's a wonderfully nuanced and wonderfully careful writing. And to read that, to face that, it is... It's quite difficult at times because it is an awful that captures quite a great deal of pain, but that doesn't come out of it in any easy or simple manner. It's just, well, such are the challenges faced, and thus those were the actions needed to be taken, but they hurt. Easy, easy topic, I suppose, I picked to, to record this Sunday afternoon. <laughs> oh boy, I, I am sorry, I'm a bit uh, all over the place, I think, at least internally. Although I'm trying to be as cohesive as I possibly can. But yeah, it's um, it's a fascinating novel in terms of colonization and exploitation too. Because before the... The, the military forces are ordered to who are in control once again worth reminding the military is in control here before they're ordered to sort of stand down and stay away and liberate all the natives that they had captured they were slaves in all but name 
they in in what ways was such a justification of like no this is voluntary labor they're only helping us in a reasonable sense and yet you know there's a there's a sort of entrapment there's sexual violence there is control there's a, an utter disrespect for the way that they live and their own sort of sleep cycle so it's yeah in a sense it, it reminded me quite a bit or if in entirely different terms a sort of um shall we say a kind of space heart of darkness kind of uh if from multiple perspectives but of like yeah this is these are the lengths of colonial horror, colonial control, and colonial violence. And it doesn't matter what they call themselves or the ways they try to disguise themselves. The attitudes, actions, and behavior show what is at stake, show that there is slavery, show that there is domination, that there is making them inferior, although they are, they're different. They look different, they have a different culture, different way of living, different way of relating to sort of the awake, uh, the awake reality and a dream reality, um, which is a, a fascinating element of the story. I, I barely mention it because uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know that much about it, but it's effectively, they dream in a controlled manner. And that is both prophetic and reflective and into a way of understanding and engaging with the world in, in a multifaceted manner in this controlled sleep, controlled dreaming and a controlled awakeness. And these things merge and work together and both constitute reality. Uh, reality is not just the waking world, in, <laughs> to put it in uh, interesting terms, so to speak. But yeah, it's it, it doesn't matter what the, these colonial forces say; they are they're doing a colonialism. <laughs> so yes, it's quite it's brutal at times. It, it's not grotesque; it doesn't revel in it. It's also like Eloquent is quite uh, careful and really well written and a, a wonderful read. But it is difficult following especially Captain Davidson's perspective where you, you see where he's going as this military leader who wants to be in control who who feels that they are, that they are superior as men um, they are in control and the others are the other human beings are inferior because they are different and, and, and all that so it is not it's not a simple read. It, it is difficult. And I think Ursula captures that quite well. And maybe at times can feel even a tiny bit uh, of a caricature. It doesn't really. And the ending definitely doesn't. And I won't say what happens to him at the end. Or how. But it's... It's fascinating because the edition I had has a an introduction by Ursula. And she says that, uh, save for Davidson, all their char characters change and they grow or not, but how they face with that and, and all that. But Davidson is perhaps a, a, a wholly evil character, and that could have been a, a flaw of some kind, although she doesn't really regret it. 
Um, but as he says that, I I don't hold I don't believe that that there's anyone that is wholly evil. But although perhaps my unconscious has uh, a different idea and that manifested in the writing, and I, I won't debate that question here, you know, the the metaphysics of that. But I will go into how how that's still relevant. That, that's still I I kept thinking about Heart of Darkness or Apocalypse Now as I, I read it, because it, it is, uh, of course, it is related and, and time-wise, and, and it's a question of, that, that was relevant and appeared in Le Guin's work here and there in, in small references, but in here it is quite distinct, that, that is also the case that we're talking about, but especially in terms of like guerrilla warfare and, and like, of these people who know the, the environment and are in defense and yet what what happens to, to, to it all and, and what what takes place. It is interesting to see how how this destruction, how to how to represent such violence. And of, of course, uh, Ursula K. Le Guin was a, a white woman in the United States and there is a sense of a well, how much she can work on, how much she can create. But it is a fascinating read in terms of understanding colonial violence in science fiction in a very clear way. And how, when we're thinking, we're creating, when we're seeing or reading or writing and considering notions of sort of these, oh, these future empires, a galactic empire and the, its colonies and its control and how that, well, the, how that is, would rarely ever be good if that was the case and if that is portrayed in a wholly positive manner, how that needs to be questioned. Really, how the colonialism coming up, popping up again and the violence that the justifications, the false justifications for colonial violence, for colonial control, domination, extraction and exploration in effectively destroying their world, in destroying the forests in order to extract wood as a luxury item for Earth. And how that is, at the end of the day, <laughs> shall we say, it is quite a... It's an imperial colonial project. And and what we see here um, are when it goes wrong, fortunately, but what what it cost the Ashtians and how and I suppose I would personally I don't know I, I I'd add trying to understand of this is that violence and this is a question I've thought about for quite a long time. And thanks to Revlet Radio, The Magnificast, and uh, 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 Vanguard, and a lot of other podcasts and works, and how to understand, interpret, and consider, and question, and reflect on violence. And I think, at the end of the day, what this book helps shows us is that violence comes with costs, with prices, with harmful effects, even if done necessarily or positively, so to speak. And And I think that... In order, to, if sometimes there, there's little recourse but violence, I yeah, who, who am I to judge the uh, the reaction of a colonized people, of an oppressed people, 
against their colonizers, against their oppressors. It is wholly in, an, an, an imbalance. And that is, those are different things. But it's still not something to be glamorized. It's not something to be romanticized. That's, that has costs, that has challenges, that has difficulties in facing, understanding, and acting upon it, both on a societal level and an individual, personal one. And I think that makes sense. I, I think that violence is not just one thing, that there's no such thing, oh, this is violence and violence is bad. But, but it's still not an easy thing. It, it's, there is a difficult, I, 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 don't, I don't want to say balance there, but there is a difficult line to be taken, to be crossed, to be considered then and again on how do we engage and understand that. And at times to like, yeah, um, this is violent, this was bad, but still, what else could have been done? And given the what happens in the story, there's, well, there's nothing else that they could have done but resisted, but reacting violently. And yeah, it's, it, it's, uh, it's not my place to judge and rarely anyone's place to judge. But the necessity of engaging it as something that can be, well, destructive in, in the worst senses imaginable. But, and yet, how, how do we both understand this? Okay, this is a bad thing that we shouldn't do. And yet, this is the scenario that must be done. Violence, like everything else, must be understood dialectically. And it's not... It's one of the harder ones, <laughs> I suppose. Because it has numerous consequences, and yet it's utterly necessary a lot of the time. And how to engage, how to understand that. And I think that throughout the, the many, many questions that Word for World is Forest brings to matter, I mentioned communication and violence and the society and colonialism. I think that how can we understand violence in the dialectic? and how to understand its harms and its necessities a lot of the time, and to avoid a sense of like judgment, superiority, uh, which I think the book does not do. It doesn't like, oh, look at them being fools for using violence, whatever, there isn't such a condescension, there is no condescension there, but there is a sort of regretful tone of that much there is, of, well, maybe things could go back, but I don't think they will. So the future is open, positively and neg or negatively, even with these new challenges. So, with this slightly shorter episode, as I try to, to, to talk and uh, think a bit about this book or some of its key points, uh, or I, that I found its key points, I hope, the question I sort of leave with is understanding, considering, interpreting, and finally, representing, portraying violence in this regard, and how that can be done in a way that because, well, such is the way that, that, that such is reality, such is the way of the world in a way. Uh, there are no easy answers. It's not just one thing, it is many things in different circumstances by different people in different scenarios. And yet there are common elements, there are distinct elements. It varies, and yet it must be faced in its, in its issues, in its complexities. And I think this is a wonderful novel to think about them even if with its limitations its issues that, that it still has and or, or that the characters have and how do we engage with 
with such a colonial reality or colonial violence or imperialism and with an oppressed violence in response and in defense and in survival and construction. So, yeah, I think that is sort of where I'll leave off for now <laughs> uh, with such easy questions uh, to, to ponder over again and again. So, yeah, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Hopefully this will still be a good and, or at least coherent episode. And uh, thank you so, so much for listening, everyone. This was still good, I think. I, I have... I, I, I miss doing collabs. I will do some very soon. Uh, scheduling was a bit difficult to do, but don't you worry. There are some really interesting and fun ones coming up. So be on the lookout for those. And, yeah, I there, there are good things coming. And I'm happy with the direction that the left page is taking and what is happening behind the scenes. So be on the lookout for that. But yeah, thank you for listening, everyone. Please check out our Patreon if you can at patreon.com forward slash left page. I am on Twitter at leftpagepod or at frankgothic. And yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. And till the next one.